Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. I want to let you know about a treat we have for this episode and most upcoming episodes. You can now view the video recording of this episode on the Tiger Pops YouTube channel. So if you want to watch the host faces as we discuss the episode, you can head over to YouTube and search for Tiger Pops Podcast to enjoy. See you there! Okay, hi everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Tiger Pops. And today we have Jocelyn and Malls and Anna. Um, everyone can introduce themselves, and after they introduce themselves, also, we're going to say our favorite conversation. So, Mindy, 31, two kids. At some point, it'll change to 32, but not yet. And my favorite conversation, um, the one on Regina's Peak, because they're so open with each other, and they love each other so much. That's the end. <laughs> um, I'm Molly. Um, I'm 50 years old. I have an 11-year-old daughter, married, live in New Hampshire, Um well, I've been a fan of like comics, manga, anime, anything nerdy like that since I was a kid. And um, my favorite conversation, um, I, I want to say it's probably the, what was it, 47 that Anna and I did the podcast on yeah. um, with yeah. and Tora in the kitchen um, where he's giving her permission to talk about um, her, you know, when she's mad at him and all that stuff. But Regina's Peak is like a very close second. So, hi, I'm Jocelyn. I'm 36 uh, from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and uh, I I have one little boy who's adorable. He's four years old. Um, and my favorite conversation is actually more of, I guess, a thought bubble. And uh, it goes like way back in the episode. It's probably um, when Tora like is looking at Poppy on the because I want to say it, her balcony. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then he's thinking, when he's thinking about uh, how an intimidating person, and he's just thinking about, like, how does she see the world? And I just, I love mm. that part. I think it's, it's that's what I like the most. So, that's, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm Anna. I'm 27, I think, 28. I don't remember this year. I have a birthday soon, so it doesn't matter. Um, I'm in my late 20s. I've got three kids. Uh, I've been on before. Um, and uh, you guys are so serious in your favorite conversations. My favorite conversation <laughs> is in the beginning of the series when Quincy and Tora are in the parking garage. <laughs> and Quincy's affected by Tora. And he tells him that he's going to tell the first girl he brings home that she's lights spires on fire to hear him scream and Tor this is my favorite favorite quotes ever in the whole series is when he says yeah that's real cute you try doing that Quincy boy that's real <laughs> my favorite my favorite line in the whole series he's like oh yeah do that see what happens <laughs> yeah okay. well, I know uh, Patty is waiting for that conversation to happen so mm. one day maybe we'll be privileged and get it <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> Okay, so um, a little recap of last one, last episode is basically um, 
Puppy drags Quincy and Tora outside and tells them, why didn't you tell me you were in the mafia? She connects the dots and Quincy's like, Tora's like, I tried to tell you, but then you were like going on with your stupid presentation. And um, wrong move, Tora, but whatever, we get it. And anyway, so they are in this, you know, Quincy then tells us, you know, two, I'm descendant of two powerful clans. That leads us to a whole bunch of theories. And here we are again. And Poppy starts off this episode by repeating her adorable, not cursing, holy shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> and here she turns away. So I have to say this whole analysis of um, the like confrontation between Poppy and Tora and Quincy um patty wrote this amazing analysis on patreon and everything i say is going to be informed by what she says so just keep in mind you know this is basically like patty's very excellent understanding of their conversation and one of the very very first things we notice is that poppy turns away from torah and quincy so we obviously read a lot into their body language and you know we talked a lot before about pop um torah and quincy's body language you know they're like you know looking down torah's arms over his chest a lot of that and um, now Poppy turns away, you know, hard for her to assimilate and handle what they've said. And she's looking down like she's contemplating. And Quincy says, he says, I'm not involved in clan affairs at the moment. What did you guys think when you heard that? Uh, like his father was going to be kind of forcing it. I have a feeling like he has kind of no choice. It's it's like inevitable. Um, that's my view on it anyway. Um, I agree with that. I felt like it was kind of, what's the word? Um, not premonition like, but in that same kind of realm where he's kind of living in uh, an easier life right now. He's not involved in clan affairs at the moment. He's able to write romance stories. He's able to do something that's not directly involved, but it makes me worry, makes me wonder how long or when or is it is he going to have to be directly involved with clan mm -hmm. affairs and what does that mean does that mean he's in control does that mean he takes mm -hmm. over vincent's role does that mean he has to be in charge of torah does that, like, what does that mean what there's a lot of open doors that that statement and all of those ellipses in that sentence say and uh i think it really i think lily really left that open for a lot of interpretation and a lot of like open ends there's a lot of guesswork there and so it'll be really interesting to see if we ever get um, closure on that maybe i don't know um that's really great and i and i thought too about the um scene with quincy in the bathtub when he gets out and you realize he has the balcony tattoo on his chest and I, the first mm -hmm. time i saw that i thought oh okay so he really is in it like um kind of had hopes before that, that Quincy was sort of like the the son that kind of just doesn't have anything to do with the clan and, and maybe he's not in it. But seeing that he had the tattoo, I felt like, oh, okay, so there's a side of him that we don't know yet um, that is tied to the clan. And whether, and I wondered, like, was he forced to get that tattoo or is it by choice? Like, when you get that tattoo, is it initiation part of, you know, some kind of initiation process? But um I think, too, that is like a clue for his involvement or future involvement. I'm actually thinking like a big thing for me is what role will Quincy play in the cartoon that relates to his clan commitment? Will he be helping Tora to get out of the clan, Papa to get out of the clan? Will he help break the clan apart? Like, I'm really hoping that for Quincy. OK, I'll tell you what, because especially for someone like Quincy, right? Quincy's avoidant. Quincy doesn't like to have conflict. Quincy likes to just smooth things over and have things well. Mm -hmm. I wonder if 
like the character growth for him as a person in this cartoon will be to finally step up to the plate and, you know, do something and take responsibility and do something that's very hard for him, maybe stand up for his father, go against the clan, you know, and help save his friend or himself as well at the time. Because, you know, every person, I think as somebody who like wants to write stories, I think a lot about, and I read a lot about how to write a story and how to develop characters. And every story, right, every character should have, like, if it's a, if it's a story that has a good ending, you know, a problem, and then they hopefully overcome it. Either they overcome it or they don't. And I think for Quincy, this is his main character flaw, where he's juvenile and conflict avoidant and doesn't, mm-hmm. and doesn't want to get into anything sticky. So I think this may be a great opportunity for him to grow as a character, and this would be like his final overcoming. So I'm really hoping for that. So, but he says here, I have enough sway to ensure safety for all you guys. Okay, so it's interesting. Like, I don't feel like, it doesn't sound like he feels like he has too much control. You know, he just has just enough control for that, which is, again, like, also sad. Like, he's also trapped, just like Tora is. Mm -hmm. And there's a panel. I I love how Lily draws. This was, like, a shot that we've never seen before, of you know, like, kind of, like, underneath and from the side. Poppy just looking down and absorbing this information and really integrating it and worrying and thinking. Hand on her hip, you know, just, like, it's stressful for her. Mm -hmm. And she's, then she finally asks, she says, do I want to know exactly how this works? And, you know, this is the point, right? She's, again, still not looking at them in the eye. They're all still, Tora and Quincy are still looking down. You know, they're, this is a difficult conversation and it's kind of, she's making it easier by not mm-hmm. looking at them in the face. You know, that's psychologically aware of her. And Quincy says, well, as long as you're not, say, spreading misinformation about my identity and whatnot, which I don't believe you guys will do to begin with, then there's no getting into, no one's getting into any kind of trouble. And I was like, spreading misinformation about my identity? Does that mean, like, identifying him as Quincy Voltuman? That's what I think. Yeah. Right. Which he's saying spreading misinformation, like, I think, was, does he mean, like, oh, trying to say no, like, that would be misinformation because I don't want that to be known. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to. And he writes under a pseudonym. So, I mean, I think he, obviously, he wants to protect his real identity. Um, and, and they know his identity now, or at least they know his legal name, I think, from contracts and stuff. So that just blows his whole identity as an author, I think. What concerns me is it's bolded, and I can't tell if it's italicized or if that's just the plot, but she went out of her way to bold it and quote it. So part of me wants to know if that's what happened in the past Mm. or if that's uh, foreshadowing something that's going to happen in the future, maybe with Gil, maybe with someone else not real sure mm. but it's oddly specific and uh definitely a not like a oh, it's a subtle warning it's like a don't do this it won't be good and so oh my gosh. Of, i'm a little hung up on that sentence <laughs> i think you're totally right especially given what he says next he says and if that does happen for whatever reason let's just say we have lawyers who take care of these things on the most basic level i felt like that was a threat like and and mm-hmm. the way Quincy looks when he says it, he looks really sad. He's looking down. I feel like he's saying it because he knows he has to say it, but he doesn't mm-hmm. want to say it and he doesn't want to be threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that did raise my like antennas for did this happen in the past or is he giving them a warning of like, don't do this because bad stuff will happen. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think too, if something were to happen, he would have no choice to, to let the lawyers take like, he would have no control. It was it would be his father and the machine that is that clan to just shut things down. He would I don't think he would be able to stop, you know, 
litigation or suing or whatever the lawyers will do. Um, right. That's what I was a little curious about, right? What does it mean, like, on the most basic level? Like, does it mean, like, legal means, like what he says, you know, Poppy asked lawyers like Cordy, mm-hmm. or does it mean, like, something lawyers plus, like, thugs, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, too, they would re- they would enforce that non-disclosure agreement that they all had to sign. Um, and that could, you know, if they had to pay a settlement or do something because they violated it, it could, sh- it could shut their business down. I just noticed something. Financial. I, I think made they would go at them financially. Um, I think you're right on the lawyer level. I did notice something in the way Lily drew this panel that I didn't notice before. And I haven't read all 500 and some quote, uh, comments on Patreon. I just kind of didn't this week. And <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if anyone's mentioned this or noticed this or not. But in the ones that I've read on Facebook and elsewhere i haven't seen this yet but he says let's just say we have lawyers who take care of these things and then in the next panel on the most basic level so on the most basic level the lawyers take care of these things on in that panel quincy's barely in the in the mm-hmm. screen yeah. and it's both yeah. it's the, the camera's panned over what well, camera like it's a movie it's been panned over in the torah so does that mean that if it's higher than the most basic level Torah is the dog that has to take care of these things T-shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I thought too. That he's yeah. the he's the the part that is like the mm-hmm. thug part. Right. Yeah, he's like the the higher than the most basic level. This guy's got to come and break your arms mm-hmm. or worse. <laughs> yeah, and I mean already like he looks like like he's probably thinking the same thing. Like I've done this before, you know. I know it, it entails, and he's already looking. Mm-hmm pretty um i don't know just worried about this whole conversation in this panel also so yeah i think you're right very ashamed i mean he doesn't look up for almost the entire time he's silent doesn't look up he's embarrassed he can't participate this is like really hard for him mm-hmm. and something that patty was saying actually that the fact that he doesn't run away or respond gruffly like he did in the restaurant that's kudos to him he isn't emotionally ready to talk with her a lot and we'll see that like throughout this whole episode but he is at least staying put so you know i definitely understand it like i have a family member who also like his behavior is not the way that people would want it to be but like he shows up you know he's definitely like completely closed off from the past and you know bugs everybody because there's a lot of things that like in his behavior that aren't ideal but he does show up and he does cannot talk about the past, which is, you know, show a sign that he's just not processed it yet, but he's there. So, you know, sometimes we have people whose situations and reactions aren't ideal, but we have to give them credit for what they're capable of right now. Mm-hmm. So Poppy's still not looking. She says lawyers like Cordy, which is, you know, credit to her because when she was back at the restaurant, she was like, oh, you're a lawyer. This is amazing. Like shady business didn't cross her mind, which every single other patient fan was like, uh, look, Cordy equals shady. But she puts it together now, which is good for her. And Quincy says she's not working for my family, but pretty much, yeah. So Patty was like, and, you know, everyone else is like, okay, so Quincy is with, you know, like this girl who's from working for an opposite clan. Like that seems pretty dangerous. Like, you know, like Quincy is also, besides her, like Tora getting himself involved with someone he shouldn't get involved in. Quincy may also be doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. more Romeo and Juliet all over. I was convinced that she was with an opposing clan just because the fact Tora had no idea who she was and he's pretty high up in the organization. So you would think he would know who everyone is. 
Um, and so I just always felt like he's Quincy's playing around with dangerous, you know. <laughs> That's Quincy. And that might be why Cordy, um, I think it was also Patty was saying, that might be why Cordy isn't reciprocating as much as she perhaps mm -hmm. may want to, because she's like, oh, okay, can't, can't be with you, right. Quincy. So, you know, we can do one night flings maybe, but not more than that. <laughs> or she might even not be with the clan. She might be, I, I almost thought she might be like a, a prosecutor, like, a, you know, like she might be a federal prosecutor or I don't know. She's a very... Judge. A judge, a, judge. a lawyer. No, I just thought, you know, there was something very ambiguous about the way she talked about herself. And uh, I don't think he's supposed to be with her. Which I hope will motivate Quincy. Maybe that will be another motivation for him to want to break the part, clan apart as well. You know, Tora's love and his love. <laughs> Maybe Cordy will be helpful because Cordy seems to have a very strong backbone. So mm -hmm. I hope she will be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Quincy at this point, you know, he does look up. I mean, Quincy says at this point, to be honest, this isn't always easy to talk about, at least for some of us, even for someone as shameless as me and in my position of privilege. So he does look up to her at this point, which I like. You know, Quincy is, again, more more of Patty's words. Quincy is the one who is, like she calls him a wordsmith. You know, he's the one who's fluent with his words and he's kind of taking like the big brother conversation, like position here. Tora is silent. He's gruff. He's unable to speak. So Quincy is speaking for him. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's saying, he's admitting, I like how he's very self-aware that he's shameless usually and can talk about anything, but even this is hard mm -hmm. for him to talk about. And, you know, she noted that like his arms are, his hands are like clenched together. It's a lot of anxiety, um, but he is looking directly at her, which kudos to Quincy for his courageousness for that. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, apart from the risk factor you've quite correctly identified, there's also all that stigma and judgment and shit. And really, we just want to live normal lives like everyone else, like those for me, for those like me and Tora. And I think he's also noting that not everybody in the clan wants to live a normal life. You know, there are people in the clan like him and Tora who are normal and, like, would say, you know, relatively good. I think he's pointing out, like, there are people in the clan who are just nasty. So they're mm -hmm. not trying to get out. Right. But this is, I mean, this is quite profound. You know, the look on his face is pretty dejected and depressed um his Quincy's usually making this like smiley face and like just putting on these exaggerated features and yeah. he's really talking directly and honestly now and he's flat he looks kind of flat and somber you know he's being honest finally and and real and confronting his own feelings instead of pushing them away hmm. and you know, and now we have, uh, we do, like, Quincy Atora was out, cut out of the panel before, and his face was hidden for, like, most of this episode so far. But now we finally see Tora's face. And it's sad. You know, Quincy's looking up, and he's, like, pleading with Poppy. So I hope you guys won't see us any differently just because of who we are. And Tora's looking down, and you can tell he's really, you know, listening and attuned to her reaction. And, <laughs> and the next panel, Quincy <laughs> being adorable, he's like, especially Tora a little sensitive <laughs> we're all just like rolls his eyes popping up eh? <laughs> and that vein just popping out it's just perfect yeah mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> he's adorable and you know Quincy I think on the one hand like I think he genuinely means it I think he recognizes Tori is sensitive but it's also funny and I think he's trying to lighten the mood because he still is Quincy mm -hmm. after all <laughs> right background becomes yellow sign of humor you know, something funny. <laughs> but he does look up. 
you know, Tora, Tora does look up and, um, you know, look, looks at Poppy's expression, I think, to try to see gauge how she's going to react. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And she's still turned away from them, looking down, not looking at them. And she says, well, now she looks back. I had some initial misgivings and look at, look at her face. It's like very, very earnest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, please believe me, please see me, please understand. And then she says, but since then, I've never seen Tora as anything but a regular guy. I mean, sure, a grouchy one, but that's about it. And Tora has been looking down. Quincy has this like pretty surprised expression on his face. And, you know, there's another panel just of Poppy looking at them, which I think, again, to me is very like earnest, like, believe me, I'm here, like steady. Mm-hmm. And Tora looks up. Ah! I love it because he's, you know, like the girl he's interested in just said she views him as a normal guy. This is incredibly validating for him. And, you know, he's like, I think incredulous. I think he doesn't really believe in. He wants to look at her and assess, like, does she really mean what she's saying? Maybe, maybe in a way, she, like, he's also thinking like, well, she's not running away either. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she, I, maybe he thought, you know, she would take this like, okay, well, I should stay away. I should, you know, maybe we shouldn't even get into this contract. Like, maybe he's just thinking like, maybe you know, she might run, but she's not, you know, so he looks at her and it's like, it's like validation where she just thinks you're a guy, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's great. Yeah. I love that. I also love Quincy's expression. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because it's the profile, but it almost looks like he's got this look of like, I don't know. Um, it's it's quizzical, but also like compassionate or just like, see, buddy, I, I knew I knew she wouldn't like, I mean, just in his mind, you can almost hear um, he's looking at Tora to see his expression of like, you know, she's accepting you. And this is it's, it's happy for him almost. But there's a it, to me, the way I see it with the, the ab- eyebrow and everything, just he's um, he really wants to see what Tora's expression is because he's happy for him or he feels uh, relief or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like he's like in his. It looks like he's going. Did you hear that, bro? Like, right. <laughs> I need to make sure you audibly heard what she just said to you. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Like, holy cow! Yeah. We've been waiting for this. Yeah. It, to me, it looked like he was. Uh, I heard it. Are you paying? Are you alive? Mm-hmm. Are you conscious? Exactly. Yeah. Friend really looks at another friend too. I mean, it's not that boss bodyguard sort of it's mm-hmm. two brothers looking at each other mm-hmm. sweet <laughs> i love these two by the way i just want to note about quincy like that panel before where you see him like with his arms with his hands clenched my thought was like quincy i kind of want to sit in your lap right now but <laughs> like all those you know, you're wearing shorts, your arm, your sleeves are rolled up. You see your amazing muscles and on your V and your arms, and they look amazing. Gorgeous. <laughs> Try to get my dear husband to work out, but sadly, he is intellectual. <laughs> his works out his brain. He doesn't work out anything else. <laughs> He's six foot four. With you. Huge. He's got big shoulders. He has great blonde hair. And I always tell him, like, you have a gorgeous body, and if you would work out, I will. I I try to tell him all these motivating things, but he just makes jokes because like he's not motivated by anyone else's attention or like I I could tell him, oh, everyone would look at you on the street and be like, roll his eyes. Anyway, and then I try to tell him stuff about like things I would do 
if he was more worked out, but I do them anyway, even though he's not. So like, (laughs) (laughs) I understand your pain, Wendy. I can't get my husband to work out. He claims, I don't believe this. He's a farm kid. He's always been like freakishly strong. His, I kid you not, his arms are like this big around. He's very, very strong, capable. He does things that are like superhuman. It blows my mind, but he's, 38 this year and he's a little soft around the middle and I'm like you made it to the steps and he was like better to my back and I was like some leg ups like on a bar and he was like oh, I don't need to work out I've always been fit I've never worked out a day in my life why do I need to start out <laughs> or don't it's fine okay and this doesn't make any I'm like you could look like this <laughs> with a little bird. Like, have you seen this I want it <laughs> Uh, but he's so alpha male and he'd be like <laughs> you're already married to me why do I need to work out you already love me you haven't left yet I'm like do I need to leave for you to work out like is this is that what needs to happen because <laughs> so I'll leave for a while I guess with my dad <laughs> fine ridiculous yeah. I feel your pain <laughs> I'm 38 too and he complains of creaks and all the time I'm like yeah you've never exercised in your oh, adult life of course your body hurts you like <laughs> Like if you would move, you probably wouldn't be so sore. Excuse <laughs> me. Whatever. He's cute. Yeah. How they are. <laughs> <laughs> so moving aside from the lovely princess. <laughs> and then Poppy looks down, she says, Anyway, I'm not here to point fingers. I just wanted to get some answers so I can go into this with both both eyes open at the very least. So thanks for being forthcoming about this, even though you didn't have to be. Have to. And again, like, I love Poppy. Like, she's really, really very validating. It's very emotionally sensitive of her to to really, you know, say that I know that it was hard for you to talk about and I appreciate it. And that's what takes a lot. I think that's very mature of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although she, I feel like although she's like that, I just don't feel like she understands what she's really getting into yet because she doesn't understand. The severity of Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I guess she'll find out because I think that's where this is headed now. Uh, after this episode, I was just like, yep, she's, she's going to see something and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Poppy has just been very, you know, mature with them and direct with them. And now she asks, she looks up with this worried expression on her face. She says, but there's just one thing I don't get. And I think like Torah is looking very apprehensive at this point. This isn't an issue for you, but what about for Torah? And yeah, Torah definitely looks apprehensive. And I find it interesting also that she's not even asking Torah directly. She's asking Quincy, like, and Quincy is speaking for, mm-hmm. for Torah. And she says, you don't have to answer, you know, she stops the camera. She's like, you don't have to answer my question. If you're not comfortable, of course, I don't need to be nosy. Which again, like she, she sees, he looks down right away. Like, so I think she sees that he's uncomfortable. I mean, he hasn't spoken again this whole time, but like, this is like another sign of discomfort. He just looks down, avoidant. So she's giving him an out, you know, or she's giving them an out to not talk about it. And, you know, she has these like concern marks all over. And Quincy looks down, he has a sweat mark on his face. And he's like, unfortunately for Torah, it doesn't quite work in the same way. Being in his position comes with, shall I say, a harsher set of rules and circumstances. Uh, yikes! Sad. This whole sentence is just very sad. 
Before we move on to the next three panels, um, I noticed something in this that is very aesthetically pleasing. Um, it goes along with the cinematography that Lily Dusk does. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if it's just Taro her at Brainus. Uh, but we talk about that a lot on here. And in this set of conversation where Poppy Land says, uh, her anyway, I'm not here to point fingers. And you see it kind of pans, it starts out and pans in. In the background, there's a cityscape. Mm-hmm. Have anybody, has anybody, boy, let's try that again. Has anybody here ever here, not like in general, I know there's other people <laughs> from Colorado in the fan base, been to Denver, Colorado? No. Because if you look at the cityscape, I kid you not, it's Denver. Like, I don't know if that was what she did. It was like an accident. But if you zoom way in, there's mountains in the background. And then there's that weird building that looks like a mailbox. And if you're a local from Colorado, I am. I live in Colorado. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I kid you not, I'll have to to screenshot this at some point and then put it. I can share my screen now. Like a land, like a cityscape view looking west or south or something like that. It's the craziest thing, but you'll see there is, let me see, oh, so right there in the middle row on the right hand side, there's the mountains and then there's the buildings. You'll see that one that's got like a notch taken on top, looks like a mail, like an old school mailbox receptacle. Yeah, I see it. With the pink skyline. Mm hmm. The, I, oh, I was just good. looking at the, the scenery in the background going, wow, the scenery is gorgeous. I went, wait a minute. Wait just a damn minute. That's Denver. I don't know if it was intentional or if she just did it by chance, but I fangirled really hard at that because I am a Colorado native. and That's really cool. Really cool. <laughs> That's wow. very cool. <laughs> good eye, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> now I'm like interested. I'm like, uh, so... So, because the the person doing the backgrounds, uh, Paul Jun, I think, is the one who oh, does, yeah. right? He, uh, I, I was like, where does where is he living? Like, maybe he's using his own backgrounds, but no, uh, <laughs> he lives in Denver. Nobody else. No, I don't think so, though, because uh, like, like I'm seeing him here, and it, I don't think that's where he's from. But yeah, no, that maybe he saw it and said, like, okay, this is nice. Like, I like these buildings that do this, you know, <laughs> like. And the, and the mountains in the background. That's yeah. very aesthetic. And I was like, I've been there. A lot. <laughs> well, I know I like know a lot of, um, a, a lot of, um, webtoon creators, like, uh, the Korean manhwa is what they're called, like, instead of manga. Um, but they have, um, a stock archive of stock pictures that they can, sh- that are free that they often, and they have a running joke. I can't remember what it's called, but, in a lot of the fantasy ones, there's this particular castle that is in so many different webtoons, and they just remove the look of it, or they might shade it differently. But there's a joke about the name. I, I can't remember what it's called, but they have like a funny name for it now because it's like Spot the Castle in the latest fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're um, talking about. It's like this pink it's castle. It almost looks like the Disneyland castle. <laughs> But it's every it's in every like fantasy princess uh, webtoon. Somebody's plunked it in there, and I wonder yeah. if this is a if they've taken a uh, skyline of Denver and just you know <laughs> maybe look like this and put it into the sky. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd share that little Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> 
mentioning the scenery because I like I forgot to mention that this episode I really love like the whole scenery like the mm. it's just very you know yeah. when you have um just like human beings like human beings need to see um space like we can't just be holed up in a wall like two feet ahead of us we need to see like long distances um you know like 100 mm-hmm. feet whatever you know mm-hmm. to see to make our eyes like relax and I, I find that that seeing like long distances in the cartoon also has the same relaxing effect for me when reading mm-hmm. it um besides for like you it know seeing the flowers and nature it's good to have like a variety of backgrounds and scenery and scenery mm-hmm. and i like it you know it's it also feels very 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 realistic like my mom's israeli yeah. and um i know this is not in israel but israel has a bit more of the the architecture that is here than in america where we live so i like seeing it you know like the, the way the sidewalks are done and like the fences and the apartments and like the bathrooms like it's much more um israeli slash european um and i guess mm-hmm. asian <laughs> than in america so it's nice mm-hmm. i appreciate you know that setting mm-hmm. um, yeah. but we've seen I... this we've seen this setting before um in one of the episodes actually when when she's talking oh yeah yeah and i don't remember what episode that is for some reason <laughs> trying to like it's the one it's early it's the one where she just got done getting drugged through town with tora yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. i think it's episode 10 or 14 right. um like, like he's sitting with their dean yeah right also this kind of looks familiar do you remember when right before tora goes to um meet her at alice's restaurant when he comes out of the black swan bistro and he runs through the streets he runs through an area that's like right next to the water so it kind of looks like this area so I'm wondering if they're like mm. close to each other, or if this is mm, long, you know, maybe. shore. So, <laughs> and there's somewhere near the shore, which is where the trendy restaurants. Pre- are. Mm. Yeah, I and appreciate I that there's snow on the mountain tops in the background. <laughs> um, being somebody that lives in the Rockies, there's always snow all the time, all year round, in the background, any given point of the year at fourteen thousand feet. And so I was like, oh, I relate. <laughs> it's cold there. <laughs> but it's also March. So, I mean, it's very, barely springtime hmm. here, at least, in March. She still got like eight feet of snow in the yard at that point. But I, that's the little things that she tucks in there that they tuck in the background. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I relate. Being somebody that lives in, you know, extreme rural America, <laughs> it's hard for me to connect sometimes. But this helps. <laughs> cool well maybe they'll go besides for the beach maybe they'll go to some <laughs> rural farm and saddle shop eh, eh, we don't need that <laughs> That's unnecessary i'm good with mountains <laughs> mountains are fine so anyway so poppy says oh i see and she looks you know like anxious and i think um you know worried for tora and uh you know sometimes maybe like a little nervous that she brought up something sensitive for tora you know that like a bad part of his life Tora finally gets the courage to speak. He just still doesn't look at her, and I get it. But and he doesn't even say a full sentence. Like it's really hard for him to say what he's about to say. But he does manage to say it. He says, "Not nosy. I'll tell you some other time." Like you can just hear him like muttering it out of under his breath. Like he can barely say it, but he does say it. And again, Patty says like she's so proud of him for, you know, wanting to connect with her and like saying wanting to share his burden with her. And you know, he doesn't manage to quite do it. Like as we'll see. But he wants to do it and he plans on doing it. So, and he tells her that. So, good for you, Tora. And again, like seeing him slightly come out of his shell 
And this whole episode and this whole comic is like him going, you know, back and forth and back and forth, two steps forward, one step backward, like they connect, he's, you know, and then he distances, they connect, he distances himself. Like it's very hard for him to open up to her. And I get it. He doesn't have trust. He doesn't have faith. He doesn't have belief in the future or in himself. And it's hard, but we're watching him hopefully grow and come out of his shell. I think it's really interesting here that he says, not nosy, and I'll tell you some other time. Like you said, it's it's a huge built trust. Um, in contrast to, say, when she cornered him about him catching her from a tree, running from Alice's, he was like, you're stopping me in the wrong box. He was like, you saved my life. And I'm what? And now she's literally prying into his personal life. And he's like, I ain't nosy. Like, what a difference. Two yeah. weeks and this guy's life is made. <laughs> where he trusts her to the point where he's like, I'll tell you. But I feel like he's like, maybe I won't because that means you're going to run away and then you're going to leave for good. <laughs> and maybe you want to lose some more. And so, I don't know. It's just such a huge character development for him mm. to be like, that's eh, fine. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to throw a tantrum. I'm not going to attack you until you're stuffing me into the wrong box like I did two weeks ago. You're good. We're fine. So, yeah. You know, and she has that last look as like this very, how would you describe that look on her face? Like, very attentive to him and like mm. concerned for him. Like, you could just see her like warm heart. You can see why Tora like is interested in her because she's so warm and so attached to him and like really cares mm. about his feelings. Yeah, she she's genuine, but she's uh, and also I'm like, I'm kind of sad that Tora didn't see this face because I think he would have been like, Okay, let's talk now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quincy. Oh my god. Quincy has had enough. Quincy's reached his <laughs> of emotional vulnerability. He's like, well, I have been. Now that we're letting Quincy's out of the way, back to like his, you know, flamboyant, ebullient personality. Are we still up for that party? <laughs> Quincy. <laughs> Well, and Poppy and Tora are like totally not on board with this. Poppy's still looking at Tora. Tora's still looking down, and Poppy is still looking like sympathetic. You know, they're they're still in the moment. <laughs> I think um, it's a bigger moment for them though than it is between with the three of them. Like for Quincy, it's like okay, we're everyone's done with. But like this is a huge step yeah. forward for them in their relationship, even just their friendship. This is humongous, and so. The hesitation between Quincy being like, we still have that, and then like just completely ignoring him is appropriate, I feel, because they're both like filing, ruminating, thinking about what just happened and that nobody's running and like Tor didn't run off, Poppy didn't run off. They're both like, we're both still here and this is fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what? And so I think it was good that that was just the way it was because I think if it had been like sure yeah it would have it would have felt wrong it would have felt like somebody stuck yeah. a stick in the gears I think maybe like Quincy's probably been through this kind of like thought process before like what if someone finds out who I am and whatever like even in the the old um where he well used to have an editor or whatever like yeah mm -hmm. maybe he he already thought like, okay, well, these are the repercussions and this is enough. But maybe like, like Tora's just like, well, if, you know, he's more worried about like, okay, Poppy's going to find out about my life. Then, then Quincy's just like, well, my name could get out there, you know? So for him, it's like a lighter kind of 
thought like mood he's already thought about it whereas Tora's just like well I don't want Poppy to know <laughs> that's basically it mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting that you bring that up that didn't occur to me before you said that but him so Tora and Quincy basically live opposite lives where Quincy doesn't want the general public to know who he is but personal people can and Tora is literally known as the legendary Tiger Airy Street. Everybody that knows him or knows anything about the underworld knows who he is, knows his reputation, mm-hmm. knows what he does for a living. And he doesn't want his personal life to get out. And so it's such a, a, a mm-hmm. uh, like, words. Um, the difference opposites. Yes, two sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And so I think that that's why the conversation happened the way it did because they are two sides of the same coin really so i'm glad you brought that up you know um my undergrad is in english and we did a lot of like literary analysis and you know it's like a whole field and i totally feel like what we're doing in this podcast is literary analysis you know with <laughs> parallelism metaphor so um molly do you want to take over the summary panel summary for this next part office sure part? sure so um it says after that conversation uh, the next few days passed in a blur, and um, we see Quincy, you know, chatting with Poppy in the office. And uh, summary says Quincy dropped by for brainstorming sessions, and um, Tora joined him as well. And you know, she looks—I don't know—kind of sad. I mean, just in that one scene where she's looking over, and then in the next panel, she sees um, Tora and. Um, Jacob, it's Jacob, right? From complete blank, like a James, Jason, no Jacob, (laughs) adding over there by the um, little kitchenette, and um, she goes on to say, "And I was hoping things would go back to normal again between us. Now that everyone or everything's out in the open, or rather, in spite of everything being out in the open now." Uh, but it feels like the opposite is happening instead. This just broke my heart when I read this part. Um, and, you know, she's watching, and it looks like Tora and and Jacob are just, like, having a great laugh. And she's on the outside looking at that and feeling, you know, I think probably lonely and sort of lost as to what's happened. Um, it's been a couple of days that he's been just not talking to her. Um and then, uh, you know, we see another panel of Jacob walking away, and then Tora does that side glance over to Poppy. Um, I don't know. I, when I saw this panel, I thought, is he feeling like he catches her staring at him and then just doesn't know how to react because he realizes he was being watched talking to Jacob, but yet he hasn't talked to her in days. Um, I mean, that's the impression I get. I don't know what you guys think um, that expression is on his face, but it looks a little surprised that she's looking at him. I think maybe he's he really is avoiding this because it's really a hard conversation. And I think like mm. when he, he spots her looking at him, it's more of a, oh, right. I I should just be, you know, uh, avoiding. I don't know. I, I just feel like he just doesn't want to get into it. And I think that's why, I don't know, he's not ready for that. Right. I'm thinking. Yeah. I found 
um, analysis on this that I wrote down off of Patreon when I briefly scanned through there this morning that really um, clicked with me. And so it has to do with this scene. Um, Monica wrote it and she said, in quotes, I'll tell you some other time, end quote. Uh, she said, I feel um, that Torah feels that she will definitely not want anything to do with him once she tells, once he tells her about the reality of who he is and what his life is. And this is him dragging out the time he feels he has left with her because he doesn't want to lose her yet. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of giving her the, the cold shoulder in the standoff mm-hmm. because he's afraid to be open because once he is, that's it. And the relationship mm-hmm. is over in his head. That's what he thinks. And so he's just playing the silent stoic guy to, to keep it not only to keep their relationship stable for as long mm-hmm. as it can, but also for Quincy's sake, because he has, to, Quincy just landed this publishing job. He doesn't want to ruin it for Quincy. And so he's just trying to be the, do the, what he can to keep everything going like it should without ruining things for everybody. So I don't know. I thought that was really interesting though. So I wanted to mention that. I found that this morning. I thought it really this hit the nail on the head. I know this, this whole section just made me really sad. Obviously, he's he's. It's hard for him to talk about stuff anyway. And then this is like the big, the big conversation, the reality um, that determines their future and how she's going to accept him or not. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. The repercussions are huge. Um, but mm-hmm. at the time, I feel like where's the guy in the kitchen extending himself to her? And I just felt really, I don't know. I just felt really sad for Poppy. Um, understanding still that this is really hard for him. And I, and I think that's such a great um, comment from Monica too, about just him wanting to stretch this out for as long as he can before he has to have that big conversation and possibly lose her. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, come on, Tora. <laughs> uh, he should trust her a little more. But again, I don't know. I can, I can, I know it's hard to have a conversation like that. I'm sure. I think another thing to remember is he had already made a decision in the past to kind of leave her be and have her life, you know, return mm-hmm. back to normal. Right. But now, you know, things, it just doesn't seem to be going that way anymore. And uh, I, I mean, this is why I think it's harder. Like when they saw each other at the restaurant, it was like a, a real huge surprise and now it's like okay well now we're we're stuck with this and uh mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i think that's that's where where he's kind of like struggling to to like the decision he had made is kind of going back onto like mm-hmm. not being made anymore you know i don't know right i mean the other part of me too is like obviously he's being professional um, by not fraternizing with Poppy in the office. But apparently, I mean, it just is very clear he hasn't talked to her outside of work either, of seeing her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand this in the office setting that he's just being there when Quincy's there and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I think this is just really hard for him. Very, very hard. Um, Becca 615 phrased it very well. She said that, you know, he's afraid that she'll reject him and he doesn't want to give her a chance. 
And he, she said, he wants you to accept him, but how can he, how can she accept him if he doesn't accept himself? And I think that is so true. Yeah, very. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk, talk a lot about like my um, husband and his background here. So it has, <laughs> I always wonder, like I tell my husband, like I talk about you all the time on the podcast and like, hope he doesn't mind his private life being shared, like just to every myth I'm popular <laughs> fan. But, um, and I especially hope honestly his, his, well, I guess his, I would say his parents was really his, his mom and his stepmom because, you know, I talk about them and I don't want to impugn them. Um, you know, everybody was, even if they weren't able to provide the best environment for him, um, his mother definitely loves him. And um, his stepfather passed away. They're both um, alcoholic and his stepfather basically drank himself to death. So anyway, the way that like, you know, for many years, I grew up in a very positive home with a lot of self-confidence and love and affirmation. And, you know, I walk around with a very positive self-image. You know, I love myself. And um, it like shocks me like when, that my husband, you know, he's 38 now. We've been together for like almost, we met 11 years ago. And he doesn't even have a fraction of like the self-appreciation that I do for myself. And I look at him and I'm like, you're smart, you're kind, you're giving, you're generous, you're easygoing, you're non-judgmental, you're, I mean, he's a genius. And I'm like, if I was him, I would like be so arrogant. It would be like insane. And he just like, doesn't see, he doesn't see himself as anything. He has like very low self-confidence. And it's, it's, I know like the years together with me have helped him, but like, it's gone from like rock bottom to like this level. And Torah really reminds me, I mean, attitude wise, they're very, very different. My husband's very gentle. Um, and he kind of went the opposite way. Torah became very tough. My husband became a little bit like the opposite. Um, maybe what's the opposite of tough. That's not a, <laughs> whatever, not, not whiny, but like whatever, very soft and maybe in a little incapable, but I really see a lot of that reflected, you know, with this not Torah and my husband, like don't believe in themselves. They don't believe that they're capable of being loved, that they're, they're good. Like it's, it's so hard to see where like an outsider can see all the good points that Poppy sees Torah and she's like, you're a good guy. You saved me. And, you know, we, as the readers, we see him, we see all the good things that Torah does and the Torah does not see himself that way. And he just really doesn't believe in himself and doesn't believe that Poppy will be able to accept him. And yeah, it's, it's sad. And, you know, I hope that we know that like, since this is a romance where though, things will end well, at some point Torah will be able to accept her love and, and slowly but surely, you know, hopefully build up his self-confidence and, you know, self-image. So it's good to see. So moving on from that, uh, that glance that he gives her, I mean, again, going back to this um, summarization of Poppy's thoughts. Um, the few times I tried up talking to him, I wanted to tell him it was okay and nothing changed. Um, and then she's got a cute little expression on her face, thought bubble, getting along so well so cute I mean so at least you know that was like a glimmer of hope about like her not being too sad I was just worried that she was going to be super devastated super you know but at least she can see sort of that it's a poppy she can see the the silver lining in a situation and that they're getting along and then I and I really don't see him any differently and that's such a it's like Tora just needs to know that. Um, but again, you know, she she really cares about him and, and and everything. And so continues the two next panels where he still looks at her and then he looks away and he's looking down. And then she says, but all he did was avert his gaze and avoid me altogether. And again, I just made me so sad. That there's a lot of parallelism because there's the panel of Tora looking away at blank and then a panel of just the kitchen with him gone. And it really reminds me of when Toro had dropped her off at her house 
and he looks back at her apartment scape and he sees like a vision of her and then the vision of her is gone and he's mm-hmm. sad so it like really mm-hmm. reminded me of that and like you know here poppy is sad and did you also notice by the way where, where poppy's like oh they're getting along so well so cute um I don't know about the getting along so well part because first they're laughing and then in the second panel <laughs> Jacob walks away in a huff and Tora's grinning like a Kesha cat. He's clearly done so that's something very obnoxious to him. <laughs> I thought more like, okay, Tora just uh, really did something terrible to Jacob. <laughs> Said to him or really yanked his chain about something because it was, yeah, the expression was kind of funny. <laughs> it was really cute. Yeah. You know, I, I always think back, like when you know, Erdine's like, "Oh, he's a douchebag," and Tora's like, "Yeah, she's not wrong." Like, yeah, you know, Tora has that irritating side to him. He's sweet yeah. to Poppy, but he's probably very obnoxious to everyone else. <laughs> I also love the um, the posters with the affirmation statements on them too. I just think that's so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tora standing in front of them, kind of like the ones that were in. Uh, doesn't Quincy have someone in his apartment too on the wall that he had something? Ooh. I feel like he had he had something in the hallway that was similar, not similar to this, but just a similar kind of statement of something. Um, but then, so the next scene is Pop is Quincy uh, peeking his head around. Pop's you ready? And then I assume they're having a meeting or something. And then and then she says, and he never did tell me about it like he said he would. And then she says, oh yeah, wait for me. So she's been waiting for this conversation. Emptiness obviously is like loneliness, right? opposite of Mm -hmm. connection there's no human connection Mm -hmm. there yet (laughs) yeah and then it segues into it says in any case i decided to go ahead with the party and then i'll stop there do you want to take over anna sure uh we segue into a street it was trying to decide if it was like an alleyway or i think it's a street and um there's a building with i don't know what these are i don't know cd terms like checkerboard lights on it. It says, I have to zoom in on Princess Hotel 2F. I don't know. And there's, I don't know what these are called either. Kanji? Uh, I don't know what any of this says. But there's been a lot of speculation about this hotel um, <laughs> regarding Pacific Sufi Garden, question mark. Um, or <laughs> does the Omnis, is this his hotel? Is this why he has his Prince Quincess nickname? Nobody knows. But she dedicated an entire scene to the front of this building, so it's got to be important. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and then we go down and it says, "I feel, I feel bad that I had to dress, that I had to dress, that I had to press them for answers, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it." Um, and then we have a scene with, are these called kanji? <laughs> In ja- if they're Japanese, they're called kanji, which they're based on the Chinese characters. Okay, so is that wrong? <laughs> Or am I saying that? Am I, I don't right? think so. Because we don't it? know what, because Lily hasn't been, she's just said, you know, Naren City is an amalgamation of a lot of different cultures and cities, but we kind of have a feeling it's South Asia, but she hasn't been specific, like that it's specifically Japan or Korea or China or whatever. But um, I know there's just been okay. a lot of Japanese influence, um, but I think it's okay to call it kanji. And I don't know, like I said, I am, um, but there's been some decoding and is this the one that says fall question mark maybe i don't know uh but it says something like that. and there's been some guesswork on it um it says i did what i had to do and at least it was resolved amicably and then we see poppy in her cute dress coat <laughs> and a little purse 
with a chain on it. She looks great. And uh, some faceless, colorless folks, because they're just in line. And wait, a cobblestone wait, walkway. I bet you the one in front is Poppy's mom. <laughs> you could be right. I bet you're right. <laughs> I think you're onto something. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's that color. color. <laughs> yeah. She's a woman, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the proof we need. <laughs> Every person in the seat is Poppy's mom. Uh, and so we don't know where this is coming from. It says, sorry, hun, you're at the wrong place. Uh, it says, mm-hmm. I did realize one thing, though. Her inner monologue is still going. And she says, what? I've got an invitation. I'm a guest under the name of Quincy B. Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. He wouldn't have be in the company of likes you. Uh, people are, oh, I'm not there yet. Uh, but you can't just get in with an invitation alone. There's a dress code to enter, and this ain't it. Like, you're not allowed to wear a coat. <laughs> you gotta be cold and miserable if you want to come to this place. No coats alone. By the way, he's judging her for her appearances, just like people always judge Torah for her appearance. And can I just say, her little, that little scene of her standing there with her coat and her purse, it's like that style. It just reminds me of like, it's like a little Jackie O jacket, like a Jacqueline Anassas, mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn like sort of 60s style coat I just love it I love the little purse it's just so put together and um it's just adorable oh, she's I know, right? cute. so cute Bob's hat and she's all set <laughs> <laughs> and then we got bleach blonde bouncer dude who's gonna be a jerk and not let her in and uh <laughs> if I showed that much leg people would be having a hard time because I'm all legs and it's an issue uh, and so we're back to <laughs> I'm tall, so I like I wear short things. People are like, oh god, that's too much weight. I'm like, oh, you're five foot, you can wear a dress that short, but I can't. This is hypocritical. Whatever. Um, anyway, she's we bounce back and forth between her inner monologue and what's going on in the scene. And when I read these, I read them as one, and then I go back and I read the inner monologue to kind of get a feel for it. I don't know. Apparently, buddy by the head nods. Everyone else. <laughs> Um, I thought I was the only one who's always running from problems and essentially from myself. But this is, oh, and then she's yelling, she's not yelling, but she's frantic. But this is just a coat. I'm not going to wear it once I get inside. You can tell there's people behind her getting mad and impatient. And she's like, well, then take it off or step inside. You're holding up the line. Next guest, please. And he doesn't even give her a chance to take it off and like get Mm -hmm. in the door. He's like, no, you're not actually going to do that. Go over there. And she's isolated. In the dark, if we're going by light and dark stands here, she's she's been shoved out of a, what is barely lit up sidewalk to the very dark street. No words. And uh, I think like it's kind of a a, a way of, of seeing it where you know Poppy doesn't belong in a way uh, in this mm-hmm. scene because like the bouncer says it, and we all want to just kick him in the balls. But anyway. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but then, like, that's how I feel like this scene is kind of playing out. It's like, you don't belong here. Get out. You know, <laughs> like, you're not part of this darkness. You're in the light. You should be in the light. And uh, and that's kind of how I see it. And, yeah, this dark street, and she's really the light. Yeah, I like that. Her, her outfit and her demeanor and her appearance mm-hmm. is too innocent and cutesy, like, yeah. for, for her mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah. And then we're back to her inner monologue. And it says, but maybe to a greater or lesser degree. So is everyone else. And I can't tell if she's tripping on like a street grate or just the cobblestone road, mm. but something. Maybe she's stepping on her own heel. Been guilty of that myself. But her shoes are hella cute. 
Yes. She is killing them in those I bumps. love these shoes. <laughs> She's going to break somebody's neck with those. She looks great. And she says, wah, and falls. Uh, and then the question is, will we ever stop running? Which is a great question because mm-hmm. everybody runs. And now she's sitting in the street, very visibly upset, angry, mad. Her eyebrows are furrowed and her thought bubble is very, oh, darn you, stupid nightclub. Yeah. And it wasn't the nightclub. It was the bouncer, but she, she said nightclub because she feels very uncomfortable in that whole situation. Like, I don't think that this is her usual mm-hmm. comfort level. So I think she just right. oh, yeah. nightclub with that discomfort and exclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're onto something with that. Mm-hmm. You don't even look that exclusive. <laughs> and now she's judging it by the way it looks. We got a lot of judging going on right here. <laughs> and I just want to like talk about her thought bubble for a second because I think this whole thought bubble, to me at least, I think she's talking about like why Tora was avoiding her. I think she's recognizing that he's also running away from his problems and he can't deal with her. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Okay. And how? Question mark. And then we see someone's knees coming into the screen <laughs> and she looks, hmm, her face has changed slightly, barely, but slightly. And then we see the pan up, man. The whole buckle your seatbelt folks because you're going to be in for some serious squealy fingerling because we're going to get a slow burn pan up of the finest guys in there in the city and i don't know if we're going to be able to like assess what's going on other than that we get to see poppy looks surprised because she hears somebody's voice is familiar mm-hmm. hurt your leg and uh i want to also like the little excerpt here guy in the in the hoodie is has his head turned Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why my video keeps going away. Sorry. Um, but his head is turned. He's looking away. And then we get to see the god in oh. all of his asymmetrical patent leather glory. And he looks like a snack because mm-hmm. who? <laughs> you gotta have that like Dorito chip body A line to be able to rock that asymmetricalness. His pants are so low. And I zoomed in because who didn't? And I think um, his belt buckle. Oh. <laughs> I zoomed in on that belt I buckle think... so many times. <laughs> I could be wrong. I think it looks like a gargoyle. Yeah. But gargoyles are protectors mm-hmm. of something. I looked it up and I forgot. But they are um, ugly and they're protectors and nobody likes them, but they do their job and nobody appreciates it kind of thing. But we've got these fine guys and uh, it's been recognized and noticed that his backup guys are the same guys that were behind him in the pool scene where he smashed. Uh, there's he has a name with a pool stick. Yeah, Yadori. Neck tattoo guy. Yeah, yeah. Neck tattoo guy was definitely there mm-hmm. on the other side. And then the blonde kid has a tattoo on his neck, but you can't tell if it's him because he's got his arm over his neck and, and like this, and you can't see his neck. And so uh, I love that she didn't just like make random background characters and like they're here again. Like maybe these guys have significance. I'm also wondering if these guys are the same two guys that were walking behind him when he was in Chevy's. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Definitely not the pink haired guy because I think we would have, I would have mm. remembered him. Oh, yeah. New guy. Probably not the same, but maybe the blonde guy. Uh, and weren't these um, the guy in the pool hall? 
mean, weren't they kind of like the Torah fan club? So oh, yeah. And they were like, ooh, Torah's gay? And he was like, yeah. Maybe I didn't. I'm going to the <laughs> alleyway and find out. And he was like, I don't know. Maybe I do. I, I don't know. I'm going to the Chevy C now. So I actually, so many people were like, you know, oh my God, those guys, if to- I can't have Torah, I'll have them. I actually didn't, I didn't have any attraction to them because I, <laughs> to me, they were like Torah's little sidekicks, you know, and I knew from the pool scene that they were like little squishy. I call them squishies or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. not so strong, right? right? Like younger <laughs> acolytes. Christina Egan has been calling them Torah's thuglets. <laughs> that is that. so cute. The funniest thing. His little thuglet. That's perfect. I know. Well, he's talked about, you know, he has a crew or his men, you know, abuse one of them. It's the two guys, it's not them. Oh, okay. So it's neither of them, different hair, different Mm -hmm. everything. So now that we are still analyzing things, uh, she says, no, just my ego, which fair. And she's got a little sweat mark. And gosh, he is so mesmerizing. And now the guys are looking somewhere else. You'll notice a theme. Never once do they look at her, which there's been theories. We'll get to that more in a minute. Uh, and then we zoom in on Tora's face. And God dang, he looks so good. Like, I have read through this series 800 times, and I haven't cried. I've been pretty, pretty level-headed with the whole thing. I have no tears. I mean, I was like, oh, that's kind of deep. This this panels of scenes of Torah and his asymmetrical patent leather jacket did things to me. And that's hard to do because I don't react to things like this very often. But he looks great with his hair pulled mm-hmm. up like that. It's similar to the way he had his hair pulled up in the pool hall. And I think that's why mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, gosh, he looks so great. Yeah. And uh, um, it's even the same angle, like the very same expression, same yeah. angle, very much the same face. Mm-hmm. And he says, then get your ass off the ground. You're late for your birthday party, kid. And there's been a lot of backlash about this. Um, you can tell his face. He doesn't have a very mean expression. Um, but his words are kind of harsh. And so there's been a lot of people that are like, wow, he's kind of being a jerk. But I think, and me and a lot of other people think that he's saying this because he's got his posse with him. And so he still kind of has to keep a little bit of a hard exterior. But then he reaches out to her and is gentle. But I did just notice that behind him, we have... Uh, guy, one of the guy, guy was smoking a cigarette. You see one of his eyeballs, and he's got the surprise marks. I didn't notice that oh, before. So yeah. I wonder if he's surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. that he's speaking to her. He's like, oh, what? Like I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I did notice that. And she looks concerned, like, oh, you're speaking to me, okay. And then he reaches his hand out and says, come on. And she's like, oh, you're being nice to me. This is so great. Oh my gosh. Are you still mad at me? Or you're, what she says, you're not mad at me anymore. And he's like, who the hell said I was? And it must have like occurred to him that his distancing behavior, she must have interpreted as, you're mad at me. And he was like, anyway, it's your party, not mine. I'm just hitching a ride. Like he was like, who said that? And me, oh, my actions and behavior said that I was mad at you. I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how to <laughs> express those very well. And uh, yeah, yeah, I said, I think I misinterpreted who says what in this. I thought he said, anyway, it's your party, not mine. I'm just hitching a ride. But I think that's her saying that, Mm, not him. I thought so. Because then he says, yeah, yeah, hurry up. Her birthday's already passed, and really it's his birthday. And even though it's a combo for Quincy for both of them, I think Mm -hmm. they're talking. 
Okay, that makes sense. I mean, that's at least what I think. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, I feel like we haven't spent enough time, like, melting over Tora's appearance. Appreciating? Oh my god. I've been trying to get to the dialogue so we can go back up and swoon and fangirl over his attire. I, I, I do think this is in the top three hottest Tora's ever. I really do. <laughs> I so, might uh, even be top one. one. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like. I, oh my god! I, I think I stopped this and I was like, "Oh man, he's effing hot!" Or something. I, it like took my breath away. <laughs> mm. I, I, I was nursing my baby to sleep when I was reading it. I was sitting there in the dark bedroom, scrolling through it, and he shows up, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like that's what I said <laughs> out loud in the bedroom in the dark. I was like. Oh my god. Is that allowed? <laughs> Who said you could wear that, first of all? I know. Damn, girl. That jacket. I'm what telling you. Doing? That chest, jacket like that a... built yeah. chest yeah. showing through. Oh, God. Mm. It is broad shoulders. See, I love, I appreciate the fact that he's now shaped like is. a Dorito. Because my husband is also shaped like a Dorito. And it goes back to that, like, buffness thing. It's so... Man, I appreciate the shape of his trunk, and uh, I'm wondering if his pants are also leather. We can hope. I don't think they are, but like, <laughs> look more Fingers are crossed. <laughs> you notice there's like a little space between the bottom of his jacket and like the top of his pants, and it's like white over there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a skin. I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's his underwear. <laughs> Maybe it's a clean top because if that's a leather sh- a jacket, I. Can tell you from experience, you don't want to wear leather with nothing underneath it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a misery. His shirt is like we see a little bit of a shirt later, and it's like it's black. But whatever, whatever it is, there's not a lot of space there. And if he picks up his hands, something will be showing, and it should be Which showing. See that be? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he did a little manscaping because he's gonna be showing off a lot more than I think he wants to. He <laughs> or he can just keep his arms down. That's that's another option. So actually, Ugh. you know, speaking of like clothing coming on and going off and seeing things, so you were talking about like how possibly <laughs> um, this might be the scene of like Secret Garden seventy seven. So somebody, Nicole uh, Bach, mm-hmm. actually, no, nothing. No, I was gonna say this. Sorry, um, Olga. She actually looked at that. Secret Garden. She's like the pile of clothing on the floor was different clothing, <laughs> so so it's not <laughs> either that or Lily's just gonna backtrack it and fit it in, whether or not they're wearing the same clothing. Um, so many zippers on it. There's even zippers on the sleeve right here. When he reaches his hand out. There's a zipper. I'm like, can I play with all your zippers? <laughs> Very nice outfit to play with. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people have wondered if Quincy picked up that part, and I genuinely <laughs> think this was something that was like, nah, yeah, I'm wearing this. Like, yeah. I maybe Quincy was like, mm, I have a little bit of say, but I think Tor was like, no, bro, I got to This is what I'm wearing. I'm going to wear this. this. Quincy would choose something with flowers <laughs> and frills and lace, yeah, or white or bright or something. And gosh, so she looks actually, like every boy dream ever. Um, <laughs> what's the old movie with Marlon Brando where he wears the down, uh, down the waterfront. Uh, this yeah. is how old I am. But Marlon Brando, when he was young and hot, there's, a, there's that motorcycle jacket. It's almost the same style with this, Let's see. Um, like the moto style. Um, ah, darn, I can't think of the movie. Funny. Uh, yeah, it's something down on the waterfront. That's down on the waterfront, I think. Um, 
I, I never watched it, but I, I once read a biography of Marlon Brando. So anyway, because <laughs> honestly, because he was pretty, it's ridiculous. I was like 17. I'm like this this actor who's probably dead by now. He's pretty. I'm gonna read a biography about him. But <laughs> this old 50, you know, 50 in the year of past. So, but it's funny you mentioned movies okay. because Clyde. Sorry. Oh, that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It. Nice. Go Marlon. Yeah. Sorry. I just picked in my Brando motorcycle jacket and showed up. Any tourists like a thousand times hotter, but just whatever the jacket reminded me. I'm like, that looks like a Oh, here we go. Here we are. Interview. Hold on. Maybe I can zoom in. Oh. That's the jacket. Yeah. That's almost exactly it, too. So Clyde was actually talking about this movie. I haven't seen the movie, where he oh. picks up his hand and he's like, nobody puts my baby in the corner. You know, <laughs> we're like, he's about to rescue her from not being admitted to the club. He's like, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And speaking of clothes, Vida, Vida Buona, who's been on the podcast before, has said, she said this really nice point. She's, she looked at all the clothing that he's worn. And she talked about like when, you know, the sweatshirt, the Superman sweatshirt that he gave her. The, the fact that Mar, um, Martin told him you're wearing inappropriate attire. You know, Vincent said, wear a suit for the next clan meeting. Um, the fact that he was like, okay, I'll take party clothes, all these different shoes, the, the teen experimenting with his look when he was a teenager, the dino t-shirts. She says that, you know, Torah for Torah, his clothing is a way of, first of all, expressing himself and asserting what little control he has over his life. And also a way of like differentiating himself from the clan. You know, he, he uses it to stick out from the clan and not like blend in. So I like that, you know, and this is like, yeah, definitely a Torah outfit. <laughs> intimidating tough and sexy as hell <laughs> yeah oh for and sure poppy this is like what i don't know embarrassing situation number whatever poor, she's always getting caught in these like falling out of the tree or um you know, tripping it, over her foot and falling tripping, in the street yeah i mean i just feel so bad for her she's always getting caught in these like awkward <laughs> clumsy situations yeah, I mean, her mom said, right, she said, but her mom said she was always, she had to wear a helmet when she was younger. She was always, like, bumping at the thing. Yep. The mom, which yeah. one of whom is in line, of course, as we know, but watching her repeat her yes. childhood self. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, a little bit going to what you were, oh, sorry. Um, can I say something about her? Yeah, so, when you were saying that some people had um, objected to the way Torah talked to her, you know, get your ass off the ground. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about some people's comments about this. So besides for what you said about him, um, I think what you said, like, you can't show, you know, show feelings for her in front of everybody because he's around the clan and like, he doesn't mm-hmm. want to put a target on her back. So a couple of people said that. Um, and then Jacques, Jacques Will said that he might want to be, and, and Lily kind of confirmed this, you know, she, in the Patreon, she said like, he might not want to her to like fall into self-pity and like it's like a tough love like you know he fell off the bike okay we're not gonna go start crying for ourselves now let's just get up and you know he wants to like also make light of it maybe and not embarrass her and you know not treat it like a big deal like okay let's move on this is whatever let's just go on and yeah okay so there's this really lovely panel of um poppy taking tora's hand and you know it's like really nice symbolism he's helping her up he's you know gonna guide her into the squirrel and actually um you know i'm gonna talk about I'm going to talk about, like, Lady Libra says something amazing, but I'll talk about it, like, after, kind of towards the end of the episode. Now we see, you know, this whole line. We see Tora has basically cut in front of the line with his two guys behind him. Actually, it's a whole group of, of guys. And 
he gives he gives the the bouncer this it's so funny because in this expression i actually think he has a very wide like childlike look but it's definitely like some kind of confrontational look and poppy is like all shy in the background and his uh his posse behind him is definitely giving threatening threatening looks and uh mr bouncer and other bouncer are like what what <laughs> okay so then the people online are upset and they're like you know, um, dude, what the fuck? I've been waiting for hours. We've been waiting for hours. They just stroll right in. And, you know, this this lady is dressed much more revealingly than, than Poppy. So you get the, the decor, you know, the expected dress. And someone's like, damn, those punks look like salt you men. Let's go. If I'm staying here when there's a whole group of them around. So again, you know, intimidating people mm-hmm. that the reputation precedes them. And they just go right in, you know, they're, they're not stopped. <laughs> and, um, now we see, like, again, that same kanji, which I think means fallen. And they're going down the steps. And you notice, I bet that those guys are, like, really avoiding looking at them. Like, they're never looking at Tora and Poppy. They're always looking to the side. And um, they're going down the steps and, you know, stepping on the floor. And it's just really, like, it's this bluish tone. And it looks like they're in a cave now. And Poppy's looking around. And she's like, whoa, what is this place? You know, she's very impressed. And she's like, you, have you been here before? You, you you ever been here before? And she's like a little nervous because, you know, she stammers. And he's like, yeah, a few times. And then you see the, the you know, the, in like neon lights lettering. And it says, literally translated it for us, Fallen Angels. So there's so much to say about Fallen Angels. What do you guys make of the fact that this is called Fallen Angels? So my first initial reaction to Fallen Angels was the first Fallen Angel, angel um, was Lucifer. And... I kind of ruminated on that for a little while, and that didn't really fit the bill that I wanted to assign to the episode, so I went, maybe that's not it. And I thought about how, a few episodes ago, he felt that Poppy was an angel in his eyes, and how he is, she is falling into his world now, kind of. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I don't think it has to, I mean, maybe it has to do with him, but I think it has more to do with her falling into his darkness and she's the light in his world and he's the dark shadow in her world i don't know that's kind of where i feel like a yin yang kind of thing mm-hmm. that's actually i want to go into lady leapers but i think um it could also be very well describing torah because you know angels are like this quintessential good thing a fallen angel someone who is you know made a mistake and gone and sinned against god and rebelled against god in, in John Milton, if you're going to go with that, in John Milton's Paradise Lost, you know, um, Lucifer rebels against God basically because he'd rather be, you know, burned in hell the whole time than serve someone else. He's very independent. So, and, you know, he ends up being like the hero of the story, apparently, according to many people, because we admire that independent streak in him. And Torres definitely has that independent streak where he wishes he didn't have to, you know, serve Vincent. Um, but also, like, I just saw it as like, Torah is really an angel inside and he's fallen, he's made mistakes, and he's in a situation where he has to do bad things but he's really an angel inside. And, you know, um, Patty was pointing out that Poppy's his angel, but she also has her inner demons that she has to fight. And um, someone was pointing out, they thought that the, the thing on his belt was actually a demon, which would also be, or, um, you know, something that Tor could see himself as. Um, yeah, they're saying. going, the fact that they're going down into a cave, um, you think about the underworld, the underground, um, Hades. I mean, I, there's just a lot of connotation to like them this descent into an underground cave where it's dark. Um, there's just a lot of symbolism in it, the whole thing. Yep. Something else I just thought about 
to go along with your analysis of Fallen Angel, um, with, with, with Lucifer and the church kind of thing. Gargoyles, going back to the gargoyle belt buckle question mark, if that's what it is, I've also seen other people think that maybe it was a devil. Mm-hmm. Um, gargoyles are usually found on churches. Mm-hmm. And they protect the churches from mm-hmm. evil stuff. Yeah, yeah when I, I was when I was them. very um, trying to zoom in really close to the bell buckle, I mean, I thought it was a demon, or even I. There's a part of it that almost looked like a a tail coming off to one side. Well, maybe it's an Asian style dragon, but um, mm. I, I really think the more you have talked about it, I mean, I just the gargoyle fits with what it kind of looks like, and. And also the symbolism behind it too. It's, it's much- I could be totally wrong. <laughs> Nobody knows. That makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, if you talk about the fact that like she's descending into his world, Lily was pointing out that you know he ascended to her world when he ascended to the rooftop, and like the rooftop was filled with mm-hmm. light. And so yeah, mm-hmm. it's a total contrast, like her world and his world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So well, we're not even we're not even in the club yet, and I feel like this is going to be an epic place too. I mean. You just look at all the blue lights and it's really like atmospheric. Um, mm. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait to see what it actually looks like. I'm, I'm like, there's two things, that and the, the dress reveal. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> it has like a pink choker around her neck. And Clyde has done a bunch mm-hmm. of illustrations, if possible. Like, she's so, we're so cute. Like, she's like, you know, pink on top and like little ruffles on bottom. And like, she's done like different illustrations of what it could look like. It's so cute. <laughs> Something else that um, I want to bring up here, too, in the hallways, in the stairwell, is, uh, so, if you go back to the street scene, that the people that are in color, I'm going to assume, are Tora's thuglings, and there's five of them. Three of them that you see most readily, and there's two more that are in color. Their outfits are colored. So, I'm going to assume that there's five, and then as they descend the stairs... They get when they get to the bottom, it's just Tora and Poppy. And I am on the MPL Rambling chat. Tina, I'm sorry, Tina, I'm gonna butcher your name. Olava Olavaria? You can yell at me for that one. <laughs> she told me we were discussing this after the episode, and she said that um, she wanted to point it out that Tora's crew was probably there so that Tora could lose a little could let loose a little. And they stayed on intervening floors, and it seemed to only be Poppy and Tora together at the bottom. So the three of them, the three or five of them, are doing the job that Tora usually does by himself. Um, and that could be why they were looking anywhere other than Poppy, mm-hmm. because she's obviously not a threat, and that's what they're, they're looking out for, is so that Tora doesn't have to do all of that. He can focus on her and him and not have to constantly be watching his back to make sure that he's safe as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting that mm-hmm. they didn't completely descend with him. Maybe they'll catch up. Maybe they won't. But right now, they're on different parts of the stairwell behind mm-hmm. him because he can't see behind him. So I thought that was interesting and I wanted to share that with you guys. That's really Carol. cool. So you know how he says, oh, I'll send my men to, you know, keep watch the building. I'll send my men to do, you know, whatever. My men came into that to search copy the office. Maybe these are like his men. <laughs> mm-hmm guys he's in charge of that's smart and by the way we see Taurus shoes again we've seen these shoes before i think he wore them oh never mind i don't remember but we've seen them before <laughs> he wore them when they went to alice's <laughs> we should have like <laughs> we should have a calendar just of Taurus shoes january <laughs> february march <laughs> yeah 
like and then you know people come to the room and we don't have to hide it we're like oh this is just we're shoe fans that's all we love shoes <laughs> so poppy's looking around and she's looking like you know impressed she's like whoa what is this place have you ever been here before? Yeah, a few times. Okay, so it's ready. Um, she's like with Quincy, and then Tor's like, who else? <laughs> Cute. Uh, clearly, he's not a party guy. You know, only Quincy strikes him. Like, Tora, please, you gotta come with me. Or like, he's his bodyguard, so he has to come. <laughs> and, well, and now, and like, on the lap. who else? My non-existent girlfriend? Grab. <laughs> oh, and Poppy's like, but, um, he's like, hold on to me. The ground's uneven. Sure, Tora. <laughs> that's why i mean she is wearing heels like that honestly even on a smooth floor you are very likely to fall over in them <laughs> like oh, okay you know blushing as she should so cute walking along they're so adorable there's such a contrast you know he's huge you know biker thug yeah. and she's in like this really pink outfit and a bow in her hair tiny little thing and it's such a cute contrast love them so much i also so appreciate her flash the inadvertent <laughs> confirmed that he's single like he was yeah. like my girlfriend she was like well that's right you don't have one <laughs> <laughs> but i do want to say on that note he, and on the he looks hella fine uh, actually you know i'll save it for the end for the roundup it would be better to do it then so remind me when we get there <laughs> i'll write it down so now he's like oh this one's um just a man-made cave but um it leads to a real one whoa that's so cool I've always wanted to go spelunking. And he's like, yeah, you can spelunk all you want in there. And he's like, that's not even a word. Want to bet? Sure, I'll bet you five sticky pads. Do you want them pink or green? He's like, are you kidding me? Everyone knows that sticky pads must always be in pink. I'll accept nothing less. <laughs> She's like stationary stuff. Really cute. It's like cute banter between them. But here you see like the black tank top that he's wearing. So it's not white. Mm. But whatever it is, it's very low cut tank top. Mm. <laughs> And, you know, he's like, oh, it's just up ahead. And you see this, like, it looks really, like you were saying, atmospheric. It's really cool. Like, blue lighting, mm -hmm. then, you know, these torches in the beginning. And then people noticed, <laughs> noticed this little thing in the front. And Poppy's like, holy foot biscuits, right? They're like, wait, is it a dismembered foot? And, like, we had someone even outline it, you know, the toes. <laughs> like, is it Goliath's foot? You know, but <laughs> Lily said it's just a mistaken <laughs> rendering and to not be any attention to it. <laughs> But it's working through Lily's pen. <laughs> so I want to read at this point, Lady Libras, is, Lady Libras wrote this amazing um, like analysis, like a general um, summary of this like whole incident. She said that Tor, like, Tor is taking Poppy's hand and he's guiding her into this world and Poppy's accepting him. And he's like, she's not being dragged into the world. He's going, she's going willingly. And like, she's being guided by Tora, you know, and it makes make sense that he would need to guide her because he's the one, experienced one. And, you know, he, he wrestled with what it means for her to become part of his dark and twisted world. And, you know, she's still like on the, on the beach, right? She's the light, right? Everywhere. She's like, what he sees to her, he thinks of like light and, you know, he's the dark and like you said, the yin and the yang. And here you see here, they're pausing before they're entering because it's like a major threshold that they're about to cross. Like she really is entering his world um, metaphorically and physically. Like this is the clan, you know, probably going to be a lot of clan people there and, I suspect there'll be some nice violence there, which will maybe put them together and lead to some romance. So exciting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Also, a continuation error. Um, his jacket zipper is on the wrong side. I'm just <laughs> anal. It doesn't mean anything. It just means... That my mm -hmm. <laughs> 
wrong. And then it's hard left or something. Hard. It's okay to make errors. My brain just got hooked on yeah. it for a second. It's hard. Yeah. That's cute. Lily says that she's not very like um, good at these little details. That's cute. That must, it must be very hard. Let's take realism in her art form. It reminds us that she's a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it takes it takes like weeks to finish these episodes. Sometimes like more than that. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she could be working on one day on one panel and another down the other. And I mean, you just don't remember. Like, oh yeah, I was on the right side, mm-hmm. the left side. So. I mean, we yeah. totally forgive her because, I mean, who cares? I mean, look at this art. I mean, you can't even, I can't I even compare. So <laughs> I could never draw like that. That's it, okay. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so um, something that also Lily said, people were asking, like, oh, isn't it dangerous for him to hold her hand? If you notice, he only holds her hand by the time they get down the steps. And you said, like, the guys are not there anymore. Like, whether they're gonna join them like they're not there so he's only holding her hand when nobody's watching and did you also notice the, the surprise marks if you go back to um the panel da, 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 where they're yet again not looking at her <laughs> where is it when he says get your ass off the ground right the the guy behind mm-hmm. him has like these three marks over there he's like what is that yeah we'll mm-hmm. probably see more about what that means later <laughs> also ah, so guys are you like mad excited about the next episode yes <laughs> very <laughs> i totally thought by the way that this club thing was gonna be like since it's like later in the episode i thought it was gonna be like five episodes later i was not expecting it to come this episode <laughs> yes same here surprise yeah it came up really fast <laughs> i'm glad she didn't it wasn't like weird like it wasn't like oh and there was nothing i love how she segued into it but didn't mm-hmm. waste like a getting to it i hate it when there's something going on webtoon and the author takes like act like two actual months to get there yeah drives me like i've lost interest i see those comments a lot about lily where people say oh my gosh i'm so glad you didn't draw this out because it's so true there's so many webtoons where i've kind of like almost given up reading because the romance is like 80 chapters in and they just held hands like you're like come on move it on (laughs) but i mean even just like simple little plot points can go like five six chapters and you're like it's very frustrating but i love Mm -hmm. that she just moves the story along uh it's it's good like in in pacing but also um you know, I find it's always kind of, uh, even with her episodes, like, I feel like even their romance is still kind of, uh, extended, even though we've seen like them kiss and whatever, but it's still taking its time to get to somewhere, mm-hmm. which is because of their situation and because of the way, like, um, you know, Tora has this life and, and Poppy's got a life. And it, it just like, I don't know, even though for them, them, the timeline is, is, kind of quick actually mm-hmm. uh the story i find is kind of drawing out at, at a at a good pace and even yeah. with this uh you know and even though we've seen like weeks later we're having this party there's still it's still like taking its time even though mm-hmm. yeah I, I like that i like her pacing for but sure it's like significant mm-hmm. um change it's it's taking its time with significant milestones in what's mm-hmm. happening and I and I feel like a lot of other stories they would still be at Alice's restaurant. At this <laughs> <point>. <laughs> um, 
And so I just, yeah, I mean, taking the time, but she's actually focusing on the development of the little moments that have happened over this, like, I mean, maybe a month now since they met. I'm not, it's still. I think it's for three weeks. Three weeks, probably. Three, yeah, something like that. Lily, we have a lot of people who tried to piece together, like, the timeline, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And Lily (laughs) is like, and I was like, I don't think the days line up. And then Lily confirmed this. She's like, I'm not too good at days. So I just try to make sure that the weeks, the weekends are like the same, consistent. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, let's not sweat our heads about this. <laughs> I mean, I don't but even I think, I, I honestly don't think Lily even dissects her work as much as we do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows? So I want to um, say this comment, like Nord, I, see, I missed it earlier. Nordor had this really good comment. And she said that she pointed out the contrast between how Poppy and Tora arrive at the club. So Poppy comes to the club and this birthday party is like for her, right? Like she's the one who um, her friends were like trying to make up for missing her party, her birthday. And she still arrives alone. And Tora, who's not the social butterfly, the guy is usually alone. He comes with like a whole group of people. And, you mm-hmm. know, like she falls down. She has no one to catch her there. She thinks she's all alone. Like she's frustrated. And then Tora comes and he helps her. And, you know, um, like, you know, he's being the supportive for her. Like, just like she's there for him and she wants to support him, he's also there for her. And Patty also pointed out that, like, this is just a very, you know, good thing. Like, it's okay to fall down and, you you know, you just get up again. Um, there's actually this very, like, there's a classic Jewish phrase, Shavapamim, Tadiki Paul. It's not like you fall down seven times and you still get up again. And, like, the point is the getting up, like, the, the major victory is, like, even if you fall down again and again and you could become disheartened, you keep getting up again. So you mentioned that, and now I'm wondering, where are her friends? Where, what happened? <laughs> Why are they going together? <laughs> yeah, where is it? What happened to them? I mean, that's kind of weird, actually, now that I think it was it all planned out like this. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I just really hope that whatever Poppy Land is wearing isn't like a square box because she's got her <laughs> and uh, Tora is going to have every set of eyes male in him. And if she doesn't look as mm-hmm. good as he does, he's going to get sucked away in a sea of um, arousal. I don't know, but I'm sure hoping that Lily doesn't disappoint, which I'm sure she won't, but like, I cannot wait to see what she's wearing. <laughs> I think her dress is so hot that he takes his jacket off and puts it over her shoulders because he doesn't want anybody else to see her in it. <laughs> Masculine panic. <laughs> I can't wait to see his face. I just can't. <laughs> As we say every week, is it Friday yet? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. This was amazing. Thank you so much, Molly, yes. Rosalind, Anna for coming on and sharing your awesome insights. It was fun <laughs> and great and awesome and thrilling. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'll see you guys later.